Hello. Happy Friday, everyone. Hello, Lisa from Connecticut, who is freshly back from New York. So exciting. I can't wait to hear your stories still. You need to call me. Um, and good morning, Vince. And hello, Anne-Marie from out and about in Cardiff. What is that like? Are you shopping? Are you Christmas shopping? Are you running errands, going grocery shopping? What is it that, that you are doing out and about in Cardiff? And can I just say that someday I want to be out and about in Cardiff with you. Do you guys like how I insert myself in the middle of your scene? <laughs> I'm actually really good at doing that. I like to insert myself into things that I desire to be a part of. Cardiff is one of them because Anne-Marie lives there. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, about probably about me inserting myself into your scene. Um beyond amazing and inspiring. Yes. Thank you. I also love when I insert myself. Um, thank you, Anne-Marie. Cardiff, Cardiff wants me. I can tell. I know nothing about Cardiff, but Cardiff wants me. I could go on and on. Um, but let's get to the point here. Um, have you guys ever woke up mad? Anyone? Just you woke up mad? Like you just you feel sassy, mad, like irritated, agitated, maybe anyone? <laughs> what a weird thing to wake up mad, just angry. It makes absolutely no sense to me at all. But that's what happened to me this morning. I woke up mad. I was angry and, and really like, mad that I had to wake up and, um, and, and mad that I had something to do. <laughs> oh, it's just ridiculous because the truth is, is I enjoy doing the things that I do, but I was just, for whatever reason, I was, I was angry about it. And, um, so, uh, my oldest son was also awake and kept asking me questions and he was adding to my anger because I'm like, can you, can you just stop talking? Like it's <laughs> talking. <laughs> anyway, that's how my morning went. Wasn't necessarily feeling great either. So that's, you know, when I get sick, it's not nearly as dramatic as, um, as my husband. And, um, so I, I can't compete with, <laughs> <laughs> the dramatics of all the coughing and 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 whatnot and um and then I start feeling um ridiculous for even wanting to give in to feeling sick and so that's just those are the swirls those are the swirls of my morning of um being angry that I was awake and being angry that I wasn't feeling good and being irritated that my son wanted to have conversation it really wasn't about him it was about my own stuff. So I started, started hearing a song, you know, this is how, this is how Holy Spirit does. Cause I also, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. None, no idea whatsoever. Earlier this week, I thought I knew what I was going to talk about, but somehow that just kind of like fell out and I didn't know anymore. Um, but 
an old song started rolling through my mind and, um, and isn't God so kind? He's so kind. What is it with people wanting to chat first thing in the morning? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a quiet person anyway throughout the day. Like I'm not really one that's going to start a conversation in the house. I just kind of exist, I guess. And, and I guess I was also annoyed because normally I wake up early enough that I can go up and, and get coffee made and whatever. And, and, and there was somebody in the kitchen. So that was also annoying. I just love to be honest with you about my real life. And I don't want you to think that, you know, it's all roses and ponies over here because it's not. I have real feelings. <laughs> and, and one of them is I wake up early enough just to have face. And so, hello, darling. John is is off to to go fix a dent and then he's going to come down here and help me clean the church isn't that so nice everyone give John a, a hand clap he's going to come and help me um that way we can get it done quicker it'll be done done but done quicker okay so anyway you're welcome Lisa um <clears throat> I the song I surrender all the old hymn I surrender all is what it was that I was contending with. And I've listened to it in a, a few different versions this morning. And um, and clearly there was something to surrender. Why else would the Holy Spirit want to uh, sing that particular song over me? And But I wanted to read the, can I just read the lyrics to you to that song? Because I think sometimes when we're really familiar with something, it just kind of like doesn't have the same effect as as when it first did in fact i was listening to an interview last night it was kind of a silly interview with Corey asbury but um somebody actually asked him what the most powerful song uh he has ever written and 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 sang and um and his response to that was really so honest and um and he was like you know i i definitely have favorites but i can sing songs and they have no effect on me because it matters where they're coming from, like the space that they're coming from. I can rehearse songs and they don't, they don't matter at all. But when I, it's, it's when I sing them from a sacred place, I'm inserting words to get better definition that, that they actually have an effect on me. And the same thing applies with, with us that um, we can have favorite songs that actually carry memory and, and hold us in a space and, and put expectation even on a moment that already took place. And, and then we begin to pine for that encounter with God all over again, rather than continuing on and experiencing new things. And so that was the same thing with the song. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go and read these lyrics because they're really good. So I thought I would read them to you. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Wow. The, the, the declaration in these lyrics is are they're, they're pretty powerful. Like we could just pull from, from the verses of the song and, um, and definitely start proclaiming them. 
um, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Wow. The second verse is the one that really hit me. All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet, I bow. Worldly pleasures, all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Now, I really don't believe that this was an escapism prayer. I don't think that that the writer of the song um, was like, you know, come Lord Jesus, rescue me from this hellish place. I don't think that that was it at all. I, I think that it was, it was out of a posture of surrendering. Like I only want what you want, right? I only want what you want. Now, that is a posture of worship where it's not about the song that's being sung. It's about the heart. Like where is my heart postured and how are my hands shaped around the things that he is attempting to to probably pull from our lives to say like, nah, you need better alignment or that's not working anymore. Or, you know, my, my power is not on that anymore. There's no life in that thing anymore. Do we have a tight fist around the things that are familiar for the sake of them being familiar to comfort us? Think of security blankets. Or is there actually power on that thing from God, not memory from God? those things we have to hold open-handed and and be willing to say worldly pleasures all forsaken if they don't have the fire of god on them they are worldly pleasures can we agree humbly at his feet about worldly pleasures all forsaken take me jesus take me now and then of course you know how the the course goes. i surrender all i surrender all all to thee my blessed savior i surrender all All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. These are beautiful lyrics, just absolutely beautiful lyrics that that we can um, look back to and, and really sit in and ask honest questions. Like, am I willing to surrender all? Am I willing to acknowledge that God is moving and I am not because I'm being held to what comforts me, to what is familiar? We could go into a whole conversation about what worship is and what worship isn't here, but that's not necessarily the point. However, I do want to insert that worship is not a song. We have to make agreement here. Worship is not a song. Worship is obedience. Whatever it is that God is asking us to surrender, we must follow out of an act of obedience, out of a heart of worship that says, I'll give all to you. I'll surrender all to you. You you don't like my current mood? Okay, I'll surrender it to you. Instead of, but I have a reason to be acting this way. <laughs> oh, laugh at yourself. You know you do it. Where you're, you're holding on to your mood because you think that somehow you need justification in an area. And, and the truth is, is that it's not actually adding anything to your life. It's taking away from your experience with God. So loosely, come on, hold your hands out. Hold your hands out. We are, we're holding on to things loosely. 
allowing God to shift and change things as he will. And not just the things that that we don't care about, the things that we greatly care about. I, I think that the one thing, honestly, that, that you and I hold on to tightest is worship, what we consider worship. If God were to come in and say, don't sing for an entire year, learn to worship in a different way, we would all be like throwing an absolute tantrum, a tantrum. If God said, do not sing, that should tell us a little bit about our heart posture when it comes to our our idea of what worship is, especially in the corporate sense. We gather together to sing the songs to make ourselves feel better about where we're at. We bond over the memory of the song rather than the God who created all things in the first place. The perfect, perfect scenario to point to is Abraham and Isaac. This is worship. God asking him to sacrifice his son is an act of worship. His commitment to obey the Lord's request is worship. It's obedience. It's worship. He didn't sing a single song. There was not a song sang that day. It was in his obedience to follow through with what it was that God was requesting. And this is the essence of worship. In fact, I, I really, I think that it's the first time that worship is, is mentioned is in this moment, like in scripture, where we have this moment of God declaring, this is, this is worship. You can fact check me on that. I'm not a hundred percent, but I do believe that I've read that. Um, but I wanted to look through the end of the book of Joshua, because there are things that happen at the end of this book that go right along with with this. Um, if you have not refreshed yourself on the book of Joshua lately, I really recommend it. That it is wow. This book, this book should be read often because it's just chock full of honestly the the government of the kingdom and 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 when when you yield to God's way how he is willing to put himself on display before all men i mean there it is a profound book of the display of of God and and oneness sincerely if these people were not all moving in the same direction there were consequences. We see it played out. We see it played out here. When you're actually living something, you don't necessarily recognize the, the shortcomings when we are breaking union with one another. But when it's played out in a book like Joshua, you can, you can see it happening. You can see where someone decided to go in the opposite direction of the company and the consequences on that. And they're devastating. The consequences throughout the book are devastating. And um, so we get to the end and, and Joshua gathers the people together. We're in chapter 24, Joshua 24. Uh, open your Bibles, people. Joshua chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel together at Shechem. I don't even know how to say things right, but you know, it'll do. 
And he called for the elders of Israel and for the heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says Jehovah, the God of Israel, your fathers dwelt across the rivers long ago. Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Naor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from across the river and brought him throughout all the land of Canaan. And I multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave Jacob and Esau to Isaac. And I gave Mount Seir to Esau that he might possess it. But Jacob and his sons went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt by what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out from Egypt and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and with horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried out to Jehovah, he put deep darkness between you and the Egyptians and he brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt and you dwelt in the wilderness for many days. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt beyond the Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand, and you possessed their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, rose up and fought against Israel, and he sent men and called for Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he altogether blessed you, and I delivered you out of his hand. And you crossed over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the Lord's of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, and the Hittites and the Girgashites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, and it drove them out from before you. That is the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. And I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you did not build, and and you dwell in them. You eat of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. This reads for me so much like Peter's first sermon. Remember, he stumbles down after the encounter with the wind and the fire with Holy Spirit. And he stumbles out onto the streets and he begins this fantastic sermon of remembering. He's throwing out the account of history with God. Joshua was doing the same thing. You know who else did this? Stephen. Stephen did this. Stephen, Stephen is being ridiculed. Stephen has been brought before, you know, the council. He's, he's going to be stoned to death and, and, and he knows it. Instead of defending himself, he starts stating history, <laughs> the history that the people of the earth had with God. This is, it's amazing. And Joshua, Joshua's doing the same thing. He's reminding them of their history with God. This is what God has done. I, I love it when, when the Bible does this, when the people within the story lay hold of truth. They lay hold 
of 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 the history of of God on display and they remind the people we need to do this way more often i was actually when i was reading this this morning i started thinking like what would this look like if we actually like sat around and leaked out testimony of what it is that god has done not to put ourselves on display but to put god on display not i did this i did that but god has done this and that and and I think that that would be just tremendously powerful for us to to begin to practice leaking testimony before one another for the purpose of glorifying and magnifying the greatness of our God. And I love it that he he leaves them here that um, that you've been given land that you never labored and cities that you didn't build. And you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you certainly didn't plant. He's he's attributing greatness to God as the provider. God brought you in and, and he gave you things that were already set up. He brought you into a divine setup. And I think, no, I know that he is that God still. Like this is his heart still, like he is wanting to bring us into a divine setup, something that is already established. We can't see it because we're still holding so tightly to familiarity, to our comforts. This is the way it's done. And we're not holding things with open hands and saying, God, the only thing I'm after is a is clean hands and a pure heart before you. But I just wonder what's waiting for us if we actually let go. What has already been built? What has already been seeded? What is already growing? Wow. It's the only thing you can see up ahead are giants. There has always been giants in the land. They just look different from time to time. Joshua and Caleb went in with the other spies and and they saw the giants. They just weren't bothered by them because they knew who they were. There are still giants in the land. And God is allowing them in the land because they're producing something on behalf of those who love God. Gosh, don't you just love God? Ha! Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear Jehovah and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness and put away the gods whom your father served across the river and in Egypt and serve Jehovah. This is a fascinating verse for me because not all of their fathers served other gods. But I think that we can look into this and, and, and recognize that there were some shortcomings in their father's experience with the Lord. Yes, there were some fathers that served idols and, and whatnot. I'm not saying that that's not true. But I think even like there was a shortcoming 
in their experience with God the Father that God was wanting to to remove from their history so they could experience him in a greater way, in a greater measure. And so when he's saying like, put that away, put away the things that that don't magnify me. What an invitation. And if it seems wrong in your sight to serve Jehovah, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve either the gods from across the river whom your father served or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Jehovah. And the people answered and said, far be it from us that we would forsake Jehovah to serve other gods. For Jehovah our God is the one who brought us and our fathers out from the land of Egypt, from the slave house, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. And Jehovah drove out all the peoples from before us, that is, the Amorites who inhabit the land. We also will serve Jehovah, for he is our God. Do you see what's happening here? Now the people are laying hold of their history with God and telling the story. They're leaking testimony. They're going, why would we not? Look at what he's done. They're putting God on display. This is how we magnify the Lord. This is how we worship him is by remembering and leaking testimony. This is who he is. I I think that we need to be really, really careful with our testimony, what is coming out of us is magnifying something because we are made to worship. We've talked about this. You know how I feel about this. We are worshiping at all times. We just need to better understand what has our affection. We are testifying at all times. All times. When, we, when something is released from our mouth gate, we are testifying, we are magnifying, we are worshiping something. What has our affection? We need to do an honest evaluation. Where was I? Verse 19, then Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve Jehovah for he is a holy God. Wow. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression or your sins. If you forsake Jehovah and serve foreign gods, he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, no but we will serve Jehovah. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnessed against yourself that you have chosen Jehovah on your own to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. That's interesting. Joshua turning back to them and going like, hold on, you're you're being too flippant with this. You're not completely understanding. You're lacking reverence in what you're saying. He is a holy God. 
He's a God who deserves our reverence. He's a God who provokes awe and wonder. He's holy and he's jealous. He will not share us. He won't share you. He doesn't want to share you with what you have an affection for that is outside of him. He doesn't want to share you. He's a jealous God. And still they said, no, we will serve him. We want your God. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to Jehovah, the God of Israel. I think if we're really honest here, we would have to start looking at some of the things that we're holding tight to and realize that they have become an idol in our lives. They have become a God in which we bow down to. And, and, and we don't we don't want this, you guys. When when we hold tight to something just because it has served us at, at some point in a season, and maybe it had the breath of God on it at one time, but it has it has shifted and transformed into something that is no longer godly. It doesn't have God in it anymore. We're tied to that thing. If we will not allow ourselves to be released from it, we're tied to it. We're serving it. We have become enslaved to it. We think that it's serving us, but it's not. It's the other way around. We're serving it. You know? So that's where Joshua is saying, you know, put away all your other idols. Forsake these foreign gods. They don't belong. Remember, if it can't fit into Jesus, if it can't fit within the holiness of the Lamb of God, it, it can't fit in with you, you know? Like, let's get rid of that stuff. It's no longer going to work. It's just going to hold you back, honestly. Verse 24, And the people said to Joshua, Jehovah our God we will serve, and to his voice we will listen. So Joshua made a covenant. For the people that day, and he made a statute and an ordinance for them in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a great stone, and he he erected it there under the terebinth that was at the sanctuary of Jehovah. And Joshua said to all the people, This stone here shall be as a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of Jehovah, which he has spoken to us, and it shall be as a witness against you, lest you act deceptively against your God. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. Oh, sometimes I think we just skim over things and we don't catch what's really going on. He sent them away, each to their own inheritance. When we agree with God, we can be sent away to our own inheritance. When we forsake all other gods, when we turn away from the foreign gods, from the idols, we can be sent away to our inheritance. He's a jealous God. He's not going to share with us what is his if we're not serving him appropriately. But when we agree with him, we can be sent away to our own inheritance. That's 
fascinating. Verse 29, and after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Jehovah, he died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance at Timnath Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And Israel served Jehovah throughout all the days of Joshua and throughout all the days of the elders whose days extended after Joshua's and who knew all the work of Jehovah that he had done in Israel. And Joseph's bones, which the children of Israel had brought up from Egypt, were buried in Shechem in the portion of the field that Jacob had bought from the children of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in the hill of Phinehas, his son, which had been given to him in the hill country of Ephraim. So it's a fascinating story of remembering who God is, siding with Jesus, forsaking all other gods, learning what worship really is, and being able to be sent away to our inheritance. Worship is far more than we know. And we are asked to surrender at every turn. We have to. We have to practice surrendering. That's 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 why the Bible is chock full of the talk of the altar, because it's it's a sacrificial life that we're living, right? To to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. I surrender all. I will turn my back on all worldly pleasures. I will even tune myself in to know when it has become a worldly pleasure. We get so hung up on tradition that we forget to follow God. We, we are a, a, a moving, a living, moving, breathing system of worship. We fail to worship when we get stuck in, in one, one experience, one encounter with Jesus. And then we begin to serve the encounter rather than the God of the encounters, you know? So we have to be, we have to be um, willing to, to have a transfiguration moment all the time. And that comes about by embracing a surrendered lifestyle. To lay ourselves down and say, I want to be wholly yours. Teach me your ways. And then we begin to leak testimony of who he is because we're actually having real fresh encounters with God that brings about transformation, not just for you, but for the room. This is how, this is actually a really key point that 
I believe the reason we aren't seeing transformation the way that the Bible talks about transformation is because we are serving old paradigms, old encounters, old experiences. There's no fresh life on our testimony. need to let go of everything, 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 and let God form his spiritual life for you. Let him release you from the tethers of yesterday so that you can be moved into the new wineskins, the new wine that he's wanting to release for today, for tomorrow, for the future. I really do think that we'll see transformation when we begin to let go of old things. Because our testimony will carry power for today. So let me pray for us. Father, I I can just see, I can see you holding a a knife in your hand like you're so willing to cut tethers right now you've come prepared like you you have come before us to draw us into the new and you've come with a knife in your hand to sever the tethers to the old and you're so kind that you won't do it without our agreement sometimes I wish you would And I just declare over us that we are people who are surrendered to your purposes and your plan. We are people who want to serve your heart well. We want to be a people who are postured, bowed down, and surrendered. I declare that we are a people filled with powerful testimony of the greatness of our God. And we are a people whose hands are wide open and not latched onto anything, but have our eyes fixed on you to move with your every movement. We are in sync with you. Oh, Jesus, to serve you is an honor. To come before you is a privilege. Holy Spirit, place in us a holy reverence. We want to rightly, rightly come before our King. We want to host a reverence before you, God. And we acknowledge that you are a jealous God. 
I thank you for your holy jealousy surrounding us right now. Provoking us to let go and to look at you again. Jesus, encounter us. Encounter us. We love you. Amen. All right, friends. We'll talk soon. And also, I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas because this was our last week of going live before Christmas, before the, the end of the year. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll talk soon.